You're listening to Vince Tracy and Neil Coburn. It's Europe Calling. What's in the news this week, especially from the UK and from Spain? Europe Calling. So a very good day everybody, our date is the 15th of February 2022. It's a very, very nice day here on the Costa Blanca, it's not absolutely roasting but it is warm, it's been very bright all the day uh, so far and it looks like there's no rain about so let's go quickly across the mountain about an hour in the car and down to Paula Peria and Neil Colborn. Very good day. Welcome to you, Neil. Good day, Vince. How are you doing? All right. Fine. Lovely here as well. Yeah. Lovely here. Did, did, you yeah. Get, did you get out for a walk? Yes, all right. This might have been out every morning. Uh, it was windy last night up till about one o'clock in the morning. It yeah. was howling again. And then I woke up this morning and it was cracking flags, so off I went. It's really weird because we're not that far away geographically and yet the weather is really quite different, you know. So, yeah, um, yeah interesting. OK, well, let's have a look then for our first story today. And uh, I've picked up a couple of things which uh, are in the papers today. So I think we'll go quite quickly to these. The first one, the majority of children aged five and younger are not meeting screen time limits global analysis suggests only a quarter of children under two and one in three aged two to five are meeting international recommendations according to the study global guidelines suggest infants younger than two avoid screen time altogether while children aged two to five should spend no more than an hour a, uh, a day in front of one Earlier studies have shown that there may be a link between screen use and behavioural problems or poor development. Well, writing in the journal, the study authors said, given how many children exceed screen time guidelines, industry elimination of ads from programming and apps directed at children um, would support healthier outcomes. Digital media are now a regular part of young children's lives and supporting families to best fit evidence-based recommendations into their daily routines needs to be a priority. For children aged 2 to 5, there was a greater likelihood of meeting the guidelines where screen use limits were designated as two hours daily instead of one. Now, this is all obviously back to our wonderful uh, scientists again. And according to them, the finding that a higher proportion of children are meeting the two-hour guideline is important because it suggests that for many families, only minor adjustments may be needed to meet the recommendations of one hour a day. The researchers base their findings on data from 63 studies, so it's quite a big sample, that, with a total of um, 89 and uh, 163 participants, which mainly looked at responses to questionnaires, but also um, included interviews. Quite honestly, um, I've been involved in how these study studies are set up, and it can make it look like it's a really big sort of uh, research area. But 
I mean, you can you can do all sorts with research. The big thing for me is what on earth are adults and um, uh, parents thinking of letting children between two and five use the blessed things? That's what I think. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's ridiculous, but I, I get it. If they're just showing, you know, like kiddies films like Disney and, you know, and what, you know, like uh, CBBCs or whatever it is, the programme on telly. That's not too bad, but when when they're letting them just sit there in front of either a computer or on a phone or whatever, it's ridiculous. Two, between two and five, they should be walking, trying to get in and walking and talking and, and going out playing. Now, you nope. know I mean, this this uh, Wi-Fi, as I've told you before, it's a great thing. You know, you can speak to family in Australia if you want, as though they sat in room with you. But it's 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 just exploded into all kinds of stuff. But that, that study, 161. Yeah. Do me a favour. When did they come to your house and say, "Listen, excuse me, how, how long do you spend on your computer? How does your young and so?" No, 161 people out of 66 million. I mean, do me a favour. Well, I know um, when I've been involved with with research, and, and uh, I can't remember the company, but it was a, a major company. And, um, you know, if, for example, you had to do uh, 15 interviews and for some reason only 10 of them were able to do it, um, you'd make stuff up. I mean, you know, you've, you're only human. Um, if it's pouring with rain and you're supposed to be out on the street standing um, in the pouring rain waiting for somebody who obviously doesn't want to spend any time with you, um, what are you going to do? You, you you finish the job quickly and get out the rain. Uh, the, the exactly. So you just put down, oh, yeah, I'll put that as a yes and that as a no and that as a yes. And, right, let me get out of this horrible weather. Yeah. Well, I was watching. The, there's a series on Netflix which is really it's worth having a look at actually because it's um, it's not adult humour but it's good funny stuff, and it's four fellas who basically go out and you know where Ant and Deck are being told uh, or they're telling people what to do on their show and uh, obviously they're in another room and they're telling them to do ridiculous things. Yeah. Um, well, this is obviously where they've pinched the idea from because it's an American program. And basically, you've got uh, these guys out doing research work. You know, it's all set up, of course. But some of the things they ask them to ask the customers uh, or the the clients is just ridiculous. So, I mean, I'm I'm not the biggest favour of uh, taking data like that. And I just think looking at little children, looking at any kid age two with a um, you know some sort of a um, a tablet or a pad in front of them. Um, yeah. when they shouldn't be looking at it. In fact, I'm going to link this with the next story, actually, because uh, the same paper, but in a different part of the paper, and this is the thing that really tickles me, because, you see, where we do the, the, the podcast, I love to find things which are obviously linked, but they're not linked, if you know what I mean. There's no way the paper wants you to see these things together. They're hidden in different places, and... You know, it's up, up to you if you bother to look for the links, like this other story, which is not that far away on the page. US-founded Roblox, R-O-B-L-O-X, which allows users to create and play their own games, is popular with young children between the ages of 9 and 12. So therefore, we've got two groups of young children. Now, 
I don't know about you, Neil, but I see a big difference between kids aged two to five and kids between, say, nine and 12. I mean, Not I've true. actually, I've been in a classroom where there was a girl of 12 turned up and I thought she was a blooming teacher. I mean, she looked as if she was about 20. So, yeah. you know, to lump them all together in the same age group is really a little bit cunning, bit cute. Anyway, going back to this Roblox the existence of rooms built for explicit activity has sparked concern young children could accidentally stumble into them. Games found by the BBC feature a naked man wearing just a dog collar and a lead, a man in a Nazi uniform and a group watching a couple having sex. Avatars are able to communicate with each other through dialogue boxes, meaning adults with ill intent could speak in an inappropriate way with children on the game. I mean, this is nonsense. If you <laughs> if you saw people um, of that sort of age and then saw them socially together, you'd want to go and punch the people on the face, you know, because obviously you should not be anywhere near children with that sort of material. But exactly. to... you shouldn't be exposing them to things like that on the internet or whatever it is on one of these games. You know, I mean, now. Nine to twelve. I mean, do me a favour, please. Well, I know when you know. when I was at um, when I was teaching, and they were bringing in the internet, and then later the um, politicians start getting involved, telling us that all the children have got to learn how to use the internet. Um, well, there's one thing learning to use the internet, but it's like ages and stages all throughout life. If somebody teaches to do you to do something at the age of five. And then your brain isn't really developed enough. By the time you're 10 or 15, it's a totally different thing. It might be exactly the same uh, subject area, but your way of looking at it will be totally different to a little kid, wide-eyed, being told by an adult that this is okay or this is not okay. I mean, this is this is really dangerous stuff that I'm reading here, especially um, in line with what's really going on, because... Um, what's happening a lot is this artificial intelligence. And the artificial intelligence shows you now that you've got um, something that you'll be watching on TV and suddenly, you know, it might take a minute before you to, before you realise you're not actually watching a real person. You're watching an avatar or you're watching, you, you know, a, some sort of cartoon, rep, cartoon representation of the person who you do know. Um, I, I mean, I, I, I don't know if you've seen these sort of things on your TV, but I mean, there was something I was watching and, and it looked as if it was Ronaldo. And I thought, well, it doesn't look quite like him. And then, of course, the more that you, you look, you realise it's artificial intelligence. It's not right. And the, yeah. the, the confusing the issue, that's the problem, isn't it? Yeah, the, I mean, the, the, that's what I'm saying. I mean, you, you know I'm a complete and utter technophobe and all that. But uh, I know the difference between Ronaldo telling me something and then uh, the, what you call him, an avatar or whatever, or, you know, uh, uh, like a, a dummified one. Exactly. No, you know, but they'll believe it because it looks like Ronaldo. That's the thing. You know, and, you're, leading and them, you're leading them with a lie, really. And they do look like uh, the, the people they're representing. Now, oh, yeah. it's funny, yeah. years and years and years ago when I was doing the uh, the programmes for Onda Thero, um, I, I was talking to Leapy Lee, and very often Leapy had very strong points of view 
about the fact that he believed that the animated cartoons were actually quite violent and quite dangerous. I I didn't really agree with him on some of the things he was saying, you know, like Tom and Jerry and and how they leak into uh, maybe the playground and kids do sort of play uh, in maybe a little bit of a dangerous way. Um, But I think this is actually taking it to a whole new level. And certainly it'll be interesting to see what he has to think about when we talk about things like this, you know. Yeah, I mean, I still read his column every week in Euro Weekly. Yeah. And and every, you know, I can't think how far back I've been reading it ever since I got here. One thing that I don't actually disagree with him. I think everything he's saying, he's saying what all the politicians should be saying in UK. Yeah. You know, he, he he puts everything there in front of you in black and white. We don't want any of this waffling and trying to kid us with, you know, as you say, with these false Ronaldos and, and a thing or, or a Disney thing and, and putting in a specific, you know, a, a, a specific might be a sexual innuendo or whatever. Yeah. Because that, that's the way it is. He just tells it as it is. And that, I can't I can't agree with it more. Well, there's, yeah, they're brainwashing kids. Well, well, they are, you see. But then again, this is really this is part of this great reset. I mean, people uh, obviously uh, are beginning to see certain things now, but they haven't really seen through a lot of the the stuff that is very, very cunning. Now, for example, when you've got um, when you've got the artificial intelligence, they were saying I was reading an article, um, and and apparently in the Chinese classrooms now. Now, if the teacher says something like, oh, and of course, if you have two mummies and uh, two daddies, etc., then uh, you've got this software that's scanning the faces of the kids. And if the kids look as if they don't agree, then the um, the alert goes up on the artificial intelligence program and the kids are reassigned for some sort of program. And um, you, you see, this is how they program people. It, it was subtle in maybe other ways that um, we haven't really understood enough about yet. But I'll tell you what, I'll take you to the next area next because um, it, it just goes on and on and on. I mean, there are things which at the moment, um, this one will tickle you. You'll understand why in a second. Let's move on. Okay, so this is primary school on the Isle of Wight, and they've warned a six-year-old boy's parents uh, that he may be deemed transphobic if he were to question another pupil wearing a dress. Now, these people, Sally and Nigel Rowe, uh, these are from the picture in the paper, whose sons attended a Church of England school, say they received a letter from the head teacher and chair of governors which declared pupils could be seen as transphobic if they showed an inability to believe a transgender person is actually a real female or male. They claim the letter also added that refusing to use a transgender pupil's adopted name or gender-appropriate pronoun uh, would be considered uh, transphobic behaviour. The Rose pulled their children out of school in 2016 after one of their sons came home confused that a boy in his class 
had begun inconsistently wearing a dress and identifying as a girl. The couple, who's now homeschool, um, uh, they homeschool both their children on the Isle of Wight, have objected that the guidance being given to their children uh, at their former school and called for a judicial review of the Department of Education's decision to provide guidelines on the issue to state schools. And they were granted permission for a judicial challenge and a hearing which will take place later in the year. This is really quite worrying. And I say to myself, why are the churches getting involved? I know this is a church school, so maybe the church isn't quite into this. But still, if you go to a church school, it should represent the feelings and the thoughts of the people running that church. Um, this is weird stuff. It's weirdo stuff. You and I have grown up, and if anything like that turned up in our classrooms, you'd know straight away, these are weirdos. They're not... I know it's a small part of society, and you maybe need to be careful, and you need to be nice with them, and you don't treat them badly, but it's still not really the behaviour the mainstream mainstream should have to accept. Um, that's exactly. how I feel. Exactly. I mean, can you, can you imagine when we, me and you were at school... And one at last turned up in a dress. I mean, it'd be absolutely crucified, wouldn't it? You know, the Mickey would be forever. Do, do you know what I mean? It's like, whoa, hang on a minute. You know, what, what are you doing? <laughs> you know? well, what are you doing with your sister's skirt on or dress on or whatever? I can't get it at all. The thing is, really, I think for the sake of... Um, I Look... I, I know I'm boring at times when I say this, but I'm going to keep saying it. Um, when the Chinese, um, when the, uh, sorry, when, when the Communist Party manifesto clearly stated they wanted to defeat the family, this is what they were talking about to me. This is now that they are beginning to realise that this is what Karl Marx and Engels were writing about. I mean, if you've got people turning up at school and um, the the kids are being told that you've got to accept them, even though they're weird, that takes normality into a different phase. It changes what, what's normal. And I think that's very dangerous, personally. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm f in full agreement is why 99% of us, although 1%, you know, 99% of us that are not offended, but the 1% that is offended... Over, overshadows it all, you know. They all, they all go that way. All, all these, you know, they, they're frightened of, you know, any conflict, you know, of interest. But these ninety-nine percent of us that are not offended, that are, you know, and the one percent that are, are offended, get all the, get anything that they want. It's an absolute nonsense. Well, it is, and and I mean the thing is. Uh, they've written about this great reset and uh, and everybody's got to change and everything. But the trouble is, if it ain't broken, why are you trying to fix it? It wasn't, exactly. it wasn't broken because we knew that there was something not right with these people. And the trouble is, you see, it's a mental, it's got to be a mental problem as well as a physical dis disability. Or, or, oh, or, is it the parents that wanted a girl but ended up having a lad? Well, I saw a very, very strange thing uh, that was floating around through, um, I think it was on Facebook, actually. Um, but, I mean, you look at these things and try to make your mind up. And what it was, 
um, was Piers Morgan was interviewing this, um, shall we say, person that was on uh, Breakfast TV. And this person was explaining how they don't want to be he or she and that uh, they call the children they and uh, I can't remember whether it was called something like early bird or no sparrow. That's right. Sparrow was the name of this uh, offspring. And there were three people in the marriage and the um, the kids are sort of they run the show. They sort of tell the parents what they want to do. I mean, that is the problem if you start allowing children to start dictating what we all believe and what we all do uh, we're going nowhere because kids need to develop the brains yeah it's i mean that, that's ridiculous can, can you imagine me and you going telling me mum or me or your dad listen well we're not doing that anymore this is how it's going to be oh uh, yeah sure enough you would do yeah i'm sure they would it's absolute. It's ridiculous. But, ridiculous. But this this is where it's all going wrong. Uh, you know the role of the parent. You see what they're trying to do is they're trying to bypass the 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 role of the parent, so that where in the past you know mum would say something and the kid would come and try and get round dad, um, and, and the, you'd get the balance and you'd eventually get quite a good decision within the family group. What they're doing now, they're taking it into the classroom. And these blessed teachers are the people who are now uh, making decisions which affect the family. The kid goes back and starts trying to tell the parents that they're wrong. Sorry, if somebody's a weirdo and can't make their mind up whether they're male or female, uh, yes, it's very sad. And I feel very sorry that these people obviously would have had problems and certainly whenever my family and any of our friends have ever been anywhere near any of these problems, we've tried to be understanding. But at the end of the day, somebody has to take the responsibility to make decisions. And you can, no matter how many times they try and tell me there are 90 different shades of grey, sorry, uh, you know, my own eyes tell me that you, you have a number of shades, but... Basically, it's between black and white, and you put the exactly. few, you fuse exactly. the two. That's the problem, isn't it? Yeah, you're either, you're either black or white. But these teachers are only being—they're being told by either the, the councils or the uh, education authorities. No, no, you see, ninety-nine percent, you know, aren't. One percent is. So now you've got to make way for this one percent. And try to shove it onto the other ninety-nine. You know, is it, how wrong is that? I, I think it's very, I think it's very wrong, and it's going to start getting people more and more annoyed. And I think you can see up in Canada with the truckers that you know there's a lot of anger over silly things that I think people are beginning to see through now. Um, well, yeah, I, I think so too. Well, all of a sudden we'll start the ball rolling back, back to where we were. And then once everybody starts jumping on board, all these fools that, that start coming up making these ideas and this, that and the other, you know, it's like when you were saying about the scientists, that you can ask five scientists, they might, all five of them might have different ideas. Yeah, You know, absolutely. It, it just doesn't work like that. Yeah. OK, I'll play a jingle, then I've got one right up your street coming next. You're listening oh, to here we go. Tracy and Neil Coble. It's Europe Calling. What's in the news this week, especially from the UK and from Spain? Europe Corps. 
Okay, so parents have blasted a school's decision to go permanently meat-free. Students at Bannerford Primary School near Nelson in Lancashire, so not far from where we were. Um, no, not far from where I were. Right? I'm a yeah. bit nearer there, yeah. yeah. Um, but they're only offered vegetarian dinners. Uh, the kids are also urged not to bring meat in their packed lunches. The new rule was brought in last year, but a letter informing parents of the change was only sent out on Thursday. And while the school claims it hasn't received any complaints about its meals, Facebook is full of unhappy parents. Mum Zoe Douglas is uh, so seething at the situation, she's even trying to transfer her children to a different school. It's a joke. I'm looking to move mine as I've had enough of that school, she said. I think they forget that non-meat eaters and vegans have to take a lot of supplements. What supplements are they getting instead at that school? Nothing. Probably saving on food costs. And Andrea Hartler said the menu, which includes tomato, pasta and vegetable curry, sounds fantastic and is certainly nothing to moan about. In the letter to parents last week, head teacher Rachel Tomlinson said she'd made the decision to offer only vegetarian lunches over a year ago to stop climate change. <clears throat> she highlighted the <laughs> livestock industry has a huge carbon footprint and meat and dairy products come at a huge environmental cost. It concluded, if you still want to send packed lunches, could you please consider meat-free options to further support us in doing our bit to reduce carbon emissions as a school community? When approached yeah. by... Uh, well, I'll just give you the last bit. When approached by the, the newspaper, uh, Mrs Tomlinson added, we made our school lunches meat-free over a year ago, and while we've not received any complaints from parents... We're happy to discuss if anyone else has any queries. Our children learn about the principles of sustainable development as part of the national curriculum and are really interested in how they can contribute to better looking after our environment. OK, now, you know, I don't eat a lot of meat. I'm not totally um, I'm not totally vegetarian. I tend to eat a lot less meat, but I would defend anybody's right to the hilt to eat meat my dislike of meat in particular is the way that the meat is processed i've seen enough evidence to see in particular halal and the uh, jewish way that they um, you know uh, treat the animals is totally for my mind wrong but uh, i understand people liking meat over to you i'm um, uh I'm in agreement with you with the halal and the uh, the Jewish way. That you see that that's that's like an animal cruelty thing. Yeah, I know I know we've got to kill the cow and kill the the, the beef and and all that. But they stun them first. You know, they they just cut the throats and they bleed they bleed to death, right? But as I said again, this this if you took a survey on people that eat meat, yeah. It could, be, it could come out roughly about 90% to 10% about vegetarians and vegans or, you know. So uh, this this woman who's, who's we've changed our, our menu uh, for the last year, she's for this environmental part, she's probably turning up in a four before <laughs> to go to school. Probably... You know what I mean? And, and running her own kids on school run and, and dropping them off at another school and then she's going... Doing that, but but the other school where her kids are, they probably still got the meat menus on. 
If you want to eat meat, eat meat. If you want to eat grass, eat grass. I have got a problem with you. But don't come shoving down my throat that I should cut back on my meat. I love nothing more than a rump steak or a, a, a fillet steak, maybe once a month or once a fortnight. But if I wanted it every day, I'd have it every day. And I like bacon as well. Yep. And I'll have a bacon butty. Well, and I know that, that you don't eat as much meat as me, but we've never had a discussion about it. I've never said, oh, Vince, you should be getting some of that meat down your man. You know, you, you're yep. going down Nick. Yeah, what I you mean... say about also with the veg with vegans and vegetarians, they've got to take a supplement that the, the beef or the meat already provides. You know. uh, yeah, look, uh, there's no way that, that I would uh, criticise anybody for eating meat. It's the way we've been brought up. What I'd really get more annoyed about is these um, bloomin' uh, teachers who and politicians, of course, who just sort of jump on the bandwagon, who seem to think that this climate change is something that a little island, uh, well, when I say little, when you look at the globe, yes, a, a, a small island is going to change by things like um, not eating meat. You know, unfortunately, I think climate change pretty well will happen no matter what people do. I think it's to totally something to do with the fact that this planet that we live on uh, goes through cycles and it's gone through all sorts of ages, which... I do believe we can cut down a little bit on emissions, but I don't think it's necessarily at house level. I think it's more likely to be at the way that we burn fossil fuels um, to create um, manufacturing processes and things like that. That's yeah. my, my real belief. But I don't yeah, think, you know, I don't well, think that making kids not have meat is, it, it's, it's not healthy. No, it's not healthy for kids at all. Well, as I say, you see, they're great at coming up with all, all this. Everybody's moaning about their electric bills. Wait till all these electric cars come in oh, and buzzes and, and, and lorries and God knows what. Well, where are you going to get your electric from? You don't want nuclear. You don't want gas. You don't want um, coal, you know. Uh, so what are you... What are, we going to, what are we going to use to supply? If you think them wind turbines are going to solve all the problem and having a couple of batteries on, on your roof is going to clear all that and get it all down to whatever they want. During, during lockdown, it, it fell by half a, half a degree or something. Right? So let's just look at that and think, well, hang on a minute. Let's just go at it nice and bonny. You know, yeah. but everybody driving around in electric cars that will conk out and there's no infrastructure to, to recharge them. And if you're recharging them with, you with electric, so how are, you, how are you providing the electric? Let's get down to that. Well, I mean, you know. look, I, I, I know I get accused of being a conspiracy theorist, um, but it's not really about being a conspiracy theorist. It's about being pragmatic. If, for example, everybody's reliant on um, electricity, uh, you've identified the problem by having to put more coal, nuclear power or whatever to make the electricity. But if you then politically can can see quite clearly that everything could be switched off at a minute's notice, everybody could be just given um, one day's notice and then immediately you've got no cars, you've got nothing heating your houses. I mean, you've got to have alternatives, haven't you? Exactly. I mean, the, the coal, no. You can have clean coal that doesn't chuck out 
uh, emissions. Yeah, it'd be slightly dearer to, to get it like that. Nuclear power. That, that's the cleanest one there is at the moment. But they don't want that. Oh, no, 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 no. They don't want you drilling for oil. They don't want you uh, fracking, which is a, a cleaner a cleaner air. It's no, no, not on my background. You know, we don't want any of that malarkey. But tell us what the alternative is. And it's definitely not everything going electric because you need to get a supply of electric. Well, I mean, the, the, tell, the, tell the, us something different. As you're talking, immediately I'm thinking, well, look, uh, I was reading in the paper that apparently Alicante are going to have problems with uh, water shortages. And yeah. obviously, if they've got to make water, um, purify it by obviously the desalination process, then why don't we find a way? And they surely must be thinking of something whereby part of the process is to clean, purify the water so we can use it for drinking. And then also the other part of the water, which is, I mean, don't forget 70% of our planet. So therefore, why don't we use the water power to power the hydroelectricity? I mean, that would have been the uh, way that I would have. I'm not a scientist, but that seems to be a common sense way of looking at it. Vince, I've been bleating about this for years. Let's just go to Benidorm Beach, watch the tide come in, watch the tide go out, twice a day it does that. Now, all the mills, when we were a massive cotton, uh, cotton-making country, yeah, all them mills were built next to a river, and they had a big wheel, a wooden wheel on the side of it, that the water spun it round, and it kept all that mill going with electric. Now, going back to the water shortage, just down the road from us, as you know, they have a desalination thing, yeah? Yeah. It, it checks the salt out of the salt water and the, the, it, it, it purifies it and this, that, and the other. But, I mean, I'm not a rocket scientist, right? But I know that uh, all seas and all rivers, rivers run down, seas come in, they go out all the tides, go in and out, that's where you should be looking, down at the bottom of the water, down there, and every time it comes this way, it, and then when it's ready for going back, it turns itself to generate the, the power the other way. Well, Terry... It's not rocket science. T Terry, uh, who, as you know, is, is far more of the science side, tells me that the uh, Mediterranean isn't tidal. OK, if I accepted that, just, as, just for the sake of our conversation, if you accept that... Um, and obviously, if any of our listeners want to hear Terry on the other podcast that we do, um, then obviously Terry explains the way that he thinks about this. But for me, if you can make a wave machine, which they do for recreational purposes, so they can make a wave machine, then obviously there must be a way that they can generate exactly that sort of thing, which could eventually go into making hydroelectricity. I mean... I I'm, exactly, yeah. Okay. All right, look, I've got uh, quite a few other really interesting ones for you, so let me play a jingle and uh, on we go. Stand by. You're listening to Vince Tracy and Neil Coble. It's Europe Calling. What's in the news this week, especially from the UK and from Spain? Europe Calling.
just for our listeners, by the way, just to make sure you understand, because of the way that we've had to work during the pandemic, uh, Neil looks after the news mainly coming in from the UK and Terry uh, from Spain. Anyway, this one will be interesting. Stand by. Okay, so this is uh, a seaside village and wildlife lovers um, were stunned after 200 birds mysteriously dropped dead from the sky. Uh, Traumatised drivers said it was watching a horror film when seeing these starlings falling to the ground for no apparent uh, reason. And witnesses said injured birds were scattered in hedgerows and on the ground and council officers cleared bloodied birds bodies from the road this is uh, around 200 starlings had died after being found near the village of waterston and hazel beach this is in pembrokeshire in wales bird expert dominic cousins uh, told the papers they were probably startled by something maybe a loud bang something unexpected made them disorientated and then they flew into something he added uh, it's very odd. It's very strange. It's got. It's not something that I'm easily uh, able to explain. It could be some misadventure. They could have done something daft. They're not perfect. Uh, it's all speculation. And the same loud bangs occurred in the Preston area of Lancashire the previous night. No fireworks. Uh, the person that wrote in, as I went outside to see if fireworks were being set off at the same time, uh, that these loud bangs were heard. There weren't any. It was a clear moonlit night. No reports in the press today as to what has been the cause of these mysterious loud bangs in the Preston area. OK, what do you think of that one? Well, that's, that's got me baffled. Uh, I mean, starlings, I, I don't know about birds neither. Uh, but bangs, I, I don't know, a, a clap of thunder. You know, when we've had them up here sometimes, you know, them bad, you know, thunderstorms, boom, you just get a big bang and that's it, don't you? Well, you know, you... but it's normally followed by rain or something like that, but if it's just... Well, what, what, is no scientist come along and showed us? No, uh, apparently at the moment, unexplained. Now, it gets a bit more weird because um, not in the same newspaper... But um, I think it was a day later and there was a story from Mexico and exactly the same. And you see pictures of it, actually, a video of it. You see all yeah. these birds suddenly falling from the sky. Uh, I, I mean, th hundreds of them. Similar sort of thing. Now, this isn't the first time I've seen anything like this, by the way. So something, to my mind, it's almost like something's being tested. It's the sort of, you know, it's what I would really um, expect from something that has been tested. And, of course, nobody will get the explanation to us because they know damn well. Um, for example, one big school of thought, and in fact, somebody did write on the comments underneath, that if you look at the, um, if you look at the picture, you'll find in the background there's a 5G mask mast i couldn't see that i did try and sort of identify it but either my eyes aren't good enough or it wasn't clear enough for me but what i do know is that um when they were they had a skirmish on the 
Chinese-Indian border not so long ago, and they found that it was near to a 5G mast, and there were about 19 Indian soldiers completely fried. Um, you, you know, it, it, there's something sinister. That, it, it, that doesn't happen in three places. I mean, uh, I've identified the one that was in the paper. Somebody wrote in and said it happened in Preston, and then this other one was in Mexico. So it's a little bit far-fetched to say that the, there couldn't be a connection. Well, yeah, there might be. The next theorist will be that uh, it'll be in a flying saucer and it's it's fired up, you know, in that area to boom off somewhere else, and that's why these birds have dropped onto the floor. You're going to get them, aren't you? You know, I mean, we're spending billions and billions for go to some some place where nobody is. They've known that for donkey's years, but we keep we keep, and then they're worrying about the climate, and we keep sending these rockets to places, and they know there's no water there, they know there's no people there, but you still get these theories that, you know, the, the spaceships are flying all over the show. Well, well I laugh. It could be summer, and, and I'm not knocking the 5G idea, but I thought they were only like, um, you know, like wireless. You know, there's no electricity. The pumps through to 5G are out like well, that. Well, if you think about it, you see, you, you, you'd have to test these things, and you know, you you probably wouldn't get somebody would say in the newspaper, today we're going to be testing 5G. Now, if suddenly birds start dropping out of the sky or if any of your elderly relatives suddenly develop chest pains, um, this is what it's going to be. They wouldn't do that, would they? Because they're so secretive about the way they do these things. And then... Um, Anne was getting something through the uh, Facebook pages. Um, that it, it was um, UFOs. And, you know, I have to say, uh, it was quite convincing what I could see. But, of course, UFOs are what they are. They're unidentified. If they were identified, they wouldn't be unidentified. So... Yeah, exactly. And, of well, course... The, the, if, if, if you come down to, to this world... They soon, they soon go back and say, oh, we're not having any of that, a lot of nutcases down there. <laughs> I think the other thing is, you see, when um, in the early days of this um, pandemic, um, people were saying, and of course, it, over two or three years, people forget this, but people were saying that the five, in fact, I, I remember David Icke was a protagonist of this, and a lot of what he said and people totally ridiculed him and, and reviled him. And a lot of it's coming true. And he was saying then that the 5G masts are designed, and they are designed, first of all, as a weapon. Um, and then, of course, you see what you can do with them in everyday life. And what he was saying then was that if they put them near um, to, say, old folks' homes or anywhere where there's young children, that's where you'll get the bad reaction. Now, he said that. And uh, I, I do remember that in the early days of the pandemic, we had many cases of old folks' homes where suddenly you had people with what they were then calling COVID without knowing totally what you know they were actually describing or whatever. So I, I, I'm not really as... I'm not clear in my mind as to what's going on. I think there's a lot of something, and we're not being told exactly what it is. But that would worry me if I, if I was living near those places. Yeah, it, it, it's uh, the, all them 5G things were coming in with that Huawei, wasn't it? That, that, Huawei, that that's thing. right, yeah. Yeah. Well, remember years ago, well, you know, the electricity uh, pylons and all that, 
they were saying then, you know, that people were having adverse reactions to them. Yeah. You know, ah. if they were if they were so far near a house or you know or a building or something like that. I you mean, know. we've got. But, but at least you can you can have a look at that as being electric. Uh, are these where these are? Uh, a Huawei thing. Are they electric? I don't know. You know, these mass. Well, the, the, I do remember that there was always parents were worried and they were putting pressure groups together to um, uh, uh, say they don't want anywhere, uh, any uh, any of those masks anywhere near the kids at school. Yeah. So yeah. then, um, I mean, obviously your, f say, 3G is not going to be as powerful as 5G. And, of course, they won't stop there. It's going to go on and on and on. And yeah. if it is what uh, I know, it's a theory. So I suppose, really, you know, uh, we can only surmise: could this be true? I mean, our own experience through the pandemic tells us that something was hitting the old folks' homes uh, more than other places. And as I say, David Ike was explaining that they would test the the technology in the areas where you had the older people or you had the the kids. It's interesting. Yeah. If nothing else, it makes you understand that maybe we should be listening to everybody. And that's what's not been happening. If you think about it, Neil, uh, there's been a complete shutdown of alternative points of view. Well, that's it. Yeah, that's that's the problem. That uh, that's what I was trying to, you know, get to. After you, you, you have two points of view, you get five scientists, and they all, all three of them. And they're all, you know, have letters behind the name, and they're all have five different reasons. You know, well, it, it depends what he, he thinks, and he thinks, and he thinks, and he thinks. You know what I mean? It's it's one of them. I know that certainly there was um, there, there were certain things that I was privy to looking at, and they were panels of very very well respected uh, virologists, epidemiologists, and all these people that were high highly qualified and it's almost like people are ignoring the people who have spent lifetimes looking at these problems so really then you then start thinking hang on who's at the who's at the who's driving all this because somebody is driving it and yeah. of course the likes of we we can only read the newspapers and hope that we'll get the information i'll go on to another one which is a row uh, that uh, they were talking about last week about uh, Dame Cressida Dick and Sadiq Khan over the outgoing Metropolitan Police Chief's exit payoff. Now, again, this is only according to reports. After her dramatic resignation on Thursday, uh, she's in line for a payout of more than £500,000 on top of a £160,000 a year gold-plated pension in what has been described as a dreadful reward for failure. Under the terms of a two-year extended contract signed in September, Dame Cressida, 61, can expect to receive uh, a 246,000 annual salary with 3,074 benefits for the remaining 25 months she had left to serve until April 2024. She is also going to receive a bumper pension payout because it's effectively the second time that she's retired from the Metropolitan Police after clocking up nearly 37 years' service. According to the Times, both the Met and City Hall refused to comment on whether uh, she'd received the full amount, but uh, Sadiq Khan is said to be resisting hand handing over the huge severance package. 
Furthermore, the newspaper reported that MPs and relatives of the victims affected by the scandals Dame Cressida was involved in have called on Mr Khan to either refuse to offer her a payoff or fund the amount it himself. Um, comment from this guy in Cheshire. Why was she earning £100,000 more than the Prime Minister? She should have been fired years ago. Nothing succeeds like failure, and failure is no success at all. And then another comment, Khan should have thought of the costs before he acted. Typical short-sighted political opportunist behaviour that seems rife in Labour ranks. Can't walk the walk, but by golly, he can talk the talk. Khan should pay up and show some responsibility. Now, for me, the first part of what I would say is the biggest uh, and most important comment for me is why is she being paid or was anybody being paid so much more than what the, the Prime Minister gets paid? It doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense to me neither. But I'll tell you what, wait till he uh, retires. Calm. Wait, wait till you see his pension. Let's have a look at him. Right, the the, the mayor of uh, mayor of London. It, it, it's a typical Labour idea. Yeah, anybody who fails gets a massive payout. It's an absolute disgrace. And it's the same with politicians, all MPs, all you know, local mayors, and this, that, and the other. They're all all in it. They've all got the snouts in the trough, and they they're just ready for retiring, and they'll have a massive payout and pensions that we can only dream about. Yeah. And Khan, as I say, he's about as much use as a chocolate fire guard. He is. He's well, rubbish. Yeah, I mean, I'm 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 not a fan of his, by the way. So I do agree with you. But going to this particular police commissioner, I mean, really, she is a very small in stature uh, figure. Whenever she comes on the TV, she's always, um, you know, making excuses and we're going to learn from this and blah de blah. But when you actually look at the background that she has, she's coming from an academic, well-heeled family. And then when you look at the guys who have been out fighting crime on the streets, I mean, she's an academic-based um, person who, based around the way I've seen um, the police over my lifetime, you would want somebody... She was supposed to be head of anti-terrorism at some, some time as well. Um, you would want somebody who looked as if they were going to frighten a terrorist. And exactly. I don't see that I mean, in her. Remember when Remember when we were growing up? If you wanted to be a policeman, you had to be over five foot eight. Yes. She's five foot one, and she's got the top job. How does that work? Well, to me, it, it, the only way it could really work is that the people that uh, appointed her must have seen something either one way to manipulate again the police or one way to get the quota right or whatever. I mean, look, I know it sounds sexist, but if you had uh, the, the option between a very good, very effective police lady coming along or a big burly Bobby who could sort out a crowd of thugs, I think I know which way I would go with that one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, I don't yeah. think I don't really think a a diminutive academic would be the way that I would want to um, sort of go with with who would be managing. I watch a film, um, a series late at night. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's called Foil's War. 
and uh, it's very, very good, actually, and it does show you the work of a policeman around the end of the war. He's not a physical... He's not a physical guy, but he does command uh, something with the way that he works everything out, and maybe she's wonderful at that, but she never appears that way, and she certainly has never really given me the inspiration to think, thank good, uh, thank good goodness that we've got somebody of her ilk looking after the health of the people that live in the capital of England. I mean, really, I just could never really understand why she was chosen, if I'm honest. Exactly. Well, it'll be, it'll have been a job for the boys, isn't it? and what it'll be is, it's not what you are in, in your stature and how you police things and this, that and the other. It's that she'll, she'll have passed a million exams. You know, yeah. it's all written stuff. Well, I mean, you know? look, you know, I think I think anybody who would be sexist over this is silly because you've got some phenomenally good women um, I know that obviously you can only go by what you read and what you see, and then you look at the, the the way that the police are portrayed in these documentaries and everything. So yes, I'm completely and utterly of the opinion that there's, there there are many phenomenal, really top class women, but it does appear that we're trying to manipulate each time you know certain jobs come up, rather than maybe if we have ten good men uh, and with one lady on the panel, uh, so out of 11, it's always the lady that seems to get the job. Uh, it, this is the picture it seems to have been since our politically correct times. I'm going to finish, yeah. I'm going to finish with one other story, which uh, is written by Richard Kay in an announcement this week to mark the Queen's Platinum Jubilee. Her Majesty spoke of her sincere wish that when the time comes, the Duchess of Cornwall will be known as Queen Consort, not Princess Consort, as announced on her marriage to the Prince of Wales. But while a poll with the first test of public opinion showed enthusiastic support for the idea of Queen Camilla, the reaction of the two princes who had no vote um, that long ago night has been sharply different. William was said to be supportive of the move and respectful of the logic behind his grandmother's decision. From Harry, there was initially not a public word. Then, when he did break his silence four days later from California, there was no mention of his stepmother or the proposed change to her status. Instead, he paid a lavish tribute to Diana, uh, praising her work on AIDS and HIV and explaining that he felt an obligation to continue his late mother's efforts. Um, this was to remove the stigma surrounding the virus. Pointedly, he said, I could never fill her shoes. He might just as well have um, said he was not a wicked stepmother, uh, could be seen as a snub. Anyway, uh, so was it calculated? And if so, why, when it was uh, Camilla who was among the first members of the royal family to offer the hand of friendship to Meghan? Right. Well, you see, well we had this last week, didn't we? Charlie boy, you, 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 you didn't play by the rules, so now them rules don't apply to you anymore. Yeah? I'd give it to William and Kate, and let's see, let, let them get on, get on with it. I mean, you know, we, we all know what's happened with, with Camilla and Charlie Boy. No, that, you didn't. You didn't play by the rules, so I don't think you know that you can just step up and be king and a bit, bit queen when when there's all already broken the rules. But there's there's just one other thing that I, I want to mention to you. Yeah. You know, for the last six weeks, we've I've, I've been watching UK television, as you know, 
Right, and for the last six weeks, we've been getting this idea that Russia are going to invade, uh, what's it called? Uh, Ukraine. Yeah. Ukraine. It could be within 20, 48 hours. Then it were another 48 hours. Then it were another 48 hours. Then it's another 48 hours. Well, today, they've started withdrawing, if, if what I heard were right on the, uh, the news just before we come on, that Russians have started just moving back a bit, or this, that, and the other. I mean... For six weeks, we've had this, that Russia are definitely going to uh, attack. And now, it's all faded away. It's all going to be faded away within within half a day. Do you know what I mean? These newspaper reporters and this, that, the other, they really get up my nose. Tell us when it's happening. Not six weeks before that it might happen. It could happen. Maybe there's half a chance it might. No, they were saying, oh, Russia are definitely, within the next 48 hours, are going to invade. You know, it's ridiculous. Tell us the truth. Has anybody fired a bullet? No. Has any tanks come over the border? No. Well, then, keep your nose out till it does. And stop telling us with, with misinformation. Well, look... Um, look let I... me run to the day, by the way. <laughs> look, I, I, I have believed that it, it, it could be imminent, but... I still think that the G7 meeting when David Cameron insulted Putin was really what this is almost been about. And of course, the thing is, with the Baltic states separating in the 1990s, it brought NATO right up to Russia's borders. So I can understand where Putin's coming from. I don't like it and I don't think he's right, but I do understand it. Um, but going back to what we were talking about, which I'm sorry, but I want to make sure that we, we're on the, right, we're on the same page. I just feel that, um, you know, at the, the last time we spoke about this, the Queen had not said anything about, you know, uh, the, the actual what would happen. And she did actually say Queen Camilla now. Now, this is the thing that really does get my goat, because, you know, um, if Charles then automatically becomes the head of the church, you know, what the hell has our lifetime been about? Because I know people whose lives have been totally ruined because of the rules of marriage and the way we've all had to live. I think yeah. um, it's utter nonsense. And I think that uh, Charles and Camilla, if they had any decency, they would step aside, as you say, and uh, let's have uh, two young people who basically are certainly showing that they know how to behave themselves and, you know, he's of an age now when he could actually become a really good power uh, within the land, uh, f a, a force for good. Whereas if yeah. Charles is there, it's eccentricity uh, coupled with uh, rule breaking and showing again absolutely no leadership whatsoever. Exactly. There you are. I'm glad we're on the same page with that one. Marvellous. Yeah. OK. All right. Well, look, Neil, um, great to talk to you again. Let me just yeah. uh, bang our music on and... Um... I'll speak to you soon, Vince, yeah? Yeah, we look forward to our next one, Neil. Thanks very much indeed. You look after yourself and uh, look forward to then. Well, OK, Vince. Cheers. All See the best, later. Neil. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.